Everyone loves an underdog story. It's the classic Rocky Balboa versus Apollo Creed, Giants versus Patriots, even going back to biblical times, David versus Goliath. It's that little guy rising up to the challenge and knocking it out when it counts. There's just something about these stories that really seem to capture our hearts and minds. Now, a couple weekends ago at the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon, we saw two real underdogs get their well-deserved redemption. There was Leslie Sexton. After a few less than successful attempts at the marathon, she bested her personal best by minutes, capturing second in the Canadian Women's Marathon Championship. And John Mason, carpenter, farmer, and runner. He flew in way under the radar to capture third in the men's side. Both joined me on this week's episode, so don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. This is the Terminal Mile, and on this week's show, it's all about the underdogs. John Mason, I think it's fair to say, is certainly one of those. You see, he didn't come up in the NCAA or even the CIS. Instead, he learned the ropes of racing in the less-hyped CCAA. He doesn't have the luxury of solely focusing on his training. No, instead he's a carpenter by trade and a farmer as well. But don't think for a second that any of that has held him back. John Mason came third place at the Canadian Marathon Championship at the Toronto Waterfront Marathon. Welcome to the show, John. Now, given the deep Canadian field, coming third is a huge accomplishment. What were your goals going into the race? Um... Yeah, going in, I was just, uh, I was more or less thinking, you know, to be, it would be a great day, I thought. Um, I think the prize money for the Canadians was going five deep. And I was like, not that I was going after prize money, but I was like, yeah, if, uh, if early on I'd forgot about Kip um, for some reason. I just thought that with his spring races or summer races and that, that um, he kind of slipped my mind and knowing of, uh, um, Eric and Sammy, and then knowing uh, that Lizelle was out, I thought, well, shoot, maybe I can sneak in, uh, depending on how many random French guys that uh, we never seem to hear about, but they just pop up all of a sudden. Um, I was like, it'd be cool if I if I could get in the top five at a national championships. That would be uh, that'd be really good. And uh, so that was kind of a if I thought if I ran well that. Uh, maybe being in the top five would be uh, doable on the day. You ran your marathon debut at Rotterdam this year in 224.38, which with your 222.35 at Toronto means that you found an entire two minutes between attempts. What was the difference this time? I, I honestly don't, uh, I don't know where those, because sort of two minutes, there was nothing special, because um, even this buildup, I had two stints of, back trouble that kind of threw off a couple of weeks training um whereas in going into Rotterdam things went fairly well I guess I had a really a really good build up um through the winter for the winter conditions everything went fairly well um and so yeah I guess it's just uh consistency as far as um this year I haven't touch wood luckily i haven't had any injuries at all um of serious nature nothing that wouldn't clear up in like a week um and so yeah just probably just getting more calloused and tough maybe i guess um is all i could say that uh 
yeah, being consistent throughout the whole year is what's probably been the more experienced now in the marathon. Well, speaking of training, uh, you know, what did a week of your training look, you know, three, four weeks out from this marathon? Um, I uh, was just looking at the log uh, when you sent me those questions um, earlier. And uh, a month out from uh, Scotiabank there, I had my last little bout of back trouble. And so I only ran five times for a total of 23 miles um, and then got that and roofed a house that last weekend, Hmm. which apparently cleared up my back trouble. And uh, so three weeks out, we were back to uh, 122 miles again. So just under 200K, I guess, uh, and back on it with three weeks to go. Um, And then, uh, yeah, the last two weeks, we started the taper sort of cutting down the mileage and uh, workout size. You train with uh, Speed River in Guelph, probably best known on the marathon end for, you know, Reed Coolsad and Eric Gillis. Uh, who else is in that marathon group and, uh, you know, really shows promise to be the, the next ca- great Canadian marathoner? Um, we've, got a, we've had a great crew of guys. Um, this spring for Rotterdam, we had... Uh, Nick Sunseri, uh, Rob Winslow, and Tristan Woodfine um, all in that build-up. And then, fortunately, um, Winslow's had some injury trouble this summer, but, uh, you know, he had a great run in the spring uh, right on 219. So I guess he's the next next biggest sort of Canadian marathoner. I don't think... Uh, there was anybody else in that 219 uh, flat range really this spring or this this fall even. Um, and then Tristan Woodfine, you know, being a – he's still in uh, university, but uh, he is an absolute workhorse and seems to be interested in toying with the longer stuff um, after university. And being so young, um, I'm sure in time he'll probably be coming on to uh, – definitely run with the big guys like Eric and Reed and um, what I call the big four in Canada of Eric Reed, Watson and uh, Dylan. For sure. For sure. Now, you know, that speed river group, you've got the, the, the top two flagship guys, but you've also got yourself who's, you know, dramatically improving at the marathon. As you mentioned, you have Winslow, you have Woodfine, you know, what makes that speed river group so successful, you know, as it is. Um, I guess I've always figured that the success of the group is because of the group. Um, there isn't, uh, there's no secret to being good at distance running. Um, and there's no magic potion in Guelph. It's just a bunch of great people, like-minded people, um, there that, uh, you know, there's nights when, um, we're working out with the university crew and there's, you know, 20 plus guys that are all hammering um and so there's you know always somebody to pull you along and uh push you and motivate you and uh running is just so popular in Guelph the communities behind you there's a great support network um the coaches are obviously you know so well known and uh have been through it before 
And uh, so everything just coming together in a cumulative group has, I think, is what makes it so successful. So I have to ask, you know, I've, I've talked to a few different people about this, but do you think that the Canadian marathon field is deep enough right now to uh, host a marathon trial, like, say, in Kenya or in the United States? I don't think it is. Um, you know, like, I was third at our national championships, and I don't even look at myself as that because everybody didn't compete, you know, as far as Dylan Watson. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm a full... 10 minutes, 11 minutes off of the top guys. And so even if we did have one, it's almost going to be like two races. And I don't see it. It it would be a cool, I'd love it if there was. Um, But, you know, we throw those, the big four on the line and let them duke it out for the top three spots for the Olympics, say, and then there's going to be a, eight to 10 minute gap um, back to the, the sub elite crew like me. So uh, I'd love to see it. I would, I know there's uh, definitely more guys are looking at the marathon. It seems like, um, you know, I, I know Sammy had a rough day his first outing. Um, and I talked with him after that night, it was lucky to have to have dinner with him. And he's, you know, he's experienced it now and for sure he's going to be a weapon in the marathon artillery in Canada in the future. Um, but, uh, yeah, right now there just isn't the depth to make it worthwhile. Okay. So when often talking about post-collegiate runners, it's often mentioned that they ran in the CIS system or they're NCAA athletes. Uh, oftentimes the CCAA never really gets a whole lot of love, but it was actually the system that you ran in as a Fanshawe Falcon under coach John Loney. What did you learn from your time running as a, as a Falcon in the CCAA? Um, the CCAA was a great place. I sucked in high school, um, came through a time of super strong runners and, uh, you know, just wasn't, uh, I thought I was serious, but I was I was just getting smoked by the, especially even just to get out of Kawasa with, Corey Curry and Kyle Borsma, um, Kyle Decker. Like I hardly made it out of Kawasa most of the time. Um, and so going to the sort of, if I looked at myself as a sub-elite at that time of the high school scene, um, I would have had no chance of making, you know, an A team at one of the big Canadian running schools even. Um, and so going to the college program was a place where I was still competitive um, and a great place to build confidence. And then uh, John Loney's program at Fanshawe is uh, super strength based. And uh, so there I started running a little more, a lot more mileage and uh, that seemed to work with me and made me start to see some big improvements fairly quickly in my first couple of years under his coaching. Your uh, Twitter bio says that you work harder than most people do in a week by Tuesday at noon. Uh, you know, I don't have a hard time believing this as uh, you're a farmer, you're a carpenter, and uh, obviously I'd call you an elite marathoner. You said uh, sub-elite, but how do you find balance between, you know, all of those different facets of your life? Um, I'm super lucky that, uh, yeah, my parents, I guess, um, put up with me 
And uh, so when uh, dad covers off a lot of the chores, um, you know, there's not a lot of days that I, I don't get to the barn and or out with the cows, I guess. But, uh, you know, um, in the heavy marathon training, um, they def- dad definitely covers off on that um, for me. It makes it easier for me um, that way. And then um, try and stay super organized and keep the uh, heavy loads of my training to the mornings so that uh, the doubles of the day are, I can just sort of fill up the mileage I'd like for the day after work when I get home. Because, uh, yeah, that's, sometimes that's unpredictable, I guess, when I have my own business that uh, I'd love to quit it every day at 5 o'clock and go run, but uh, sometimes things pop up or uh, have to get done in a day, and uh, so I don't always know when I'm going to get home. So it's nice to get the bulk of my mileage done in the morning and then uh, just be able to finish off the day with an easy run and uh, top up the day's workload. Uh, Chris DeShane uh, mentioned on the broadcast uh, as you were taking the podium that she owes you a pair of jeans. Um, you know, we're all kind of wondering, what, what is that about? Um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that is, uh, well, it sounds awkward, but uh, no. Um, Krista emailed me before the race saying she was doing the broadcasting again. Um, and... Uh, Wanted just some sort of a backstory in case she had to talk about me um, at all during the marathon. And uh, I said, uh, and so she had some questions about the buildup and about how things were going and what I expected to run and blah, 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 that kind of thing. And then she just wanted like a random fun fact of sorts. And so I, one of my random fun facts about myself that I thought I would just be a bit funny was that I said I hadn't purchased a pair of pants since 2013 and uh, that if I got into the money I might think about buying new pants and uh, then Christy emailed back to me and said if you kill it on Sunday I'll buy you a pair of pants and uh, so I guess she uh, she says she owes me a pair of pants now so uh, yeah we'll look for uh, that to come from Krista anytime. All right. So, uh, you know, what is your, uh, what's your ultimate goal for the marathon? I mean, you, you have a couple under your belt now. Do you have, you know, something that you're really shooting for? Maybe not on the next one, but, you know, perhaps overall. Um, I just like to keep seeing improvements. Um, I kind of ran like an idiot in, in Toronto, to be honest, and uh, probably could have run faster if I hadn't uh, started to roll like I had and paid attention to my watch. A little bit more um, so yeah just uh, keep consistently building on my running and uh, see how quick I can get I uh, yeah ch- just keep challenging myself to see how well we can do with this running thing well I've seen you run everything from uh, a track 5000 I believe you did that in London a little bit earlier this year uh, to the marathon you know what would you say that your preferred distance is who knows? Um, I actually ran pretty decent, I guess, at the 5K road champs too, and that would maybe would have said that I shouldn't have been doing this marathon thing. Um, I, I, for some reason, I've gotten into liking the 5K um, lately. It's just like this right amount of hurt 
where it starts to hurt and then it's done real quick. Um, but I do, I do really enjoy the, uh, the marathon as well. Um, and I think you can definitely find a balance between them, especially trying to get quicker at the marathon, um, doing some mid season training between marathon buildups with those faster guys on the track or in the 5k type, um, workouts to just to keep that leg speed and so i'm sure in the next few years I'll, I'll probably still keep hitting some 5k stuff and working at the marathon as well so with all that versatility and now under your belt what's next year looking like for you as far as racing goes um i'm just actually started to think about it again now um it's uh i'm, I'm excited about the prospect of Canada sending a team to the World Half Marathon Championships. Um, so I'm looking to try, I'd like to just qualify for that. Um, when that notification first came out in the middle of the fall there, um, I didn't even think I could run 66 minutes or if that was in my wheelhouse. But then after uh, going through the half and the marathon in 68 and still in my head knowing I had to do that again, um, I, uh, I think that if we work at it this, uh, this winter, um, we could maybe take a shot at at least trying to qualify. Cause I know there's, you know, there's way quicker guys in the half that, uh, would fill those three spots, but, uh, I'd like to at least try and get my time down to qualify for that. And, uh, after that, I haven't uh, thought too far much further than that yet. Well, he can, uh, he can roof your house. He can milk your cow. He can probably grow nicer facial hair than you, and he can probably beat you in a foot race as well. He is John Mason. Thanks a lot for being on the show this week, John. Thank you. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, heard worldwide via tracky.ca, iTunes, and Stitcher. Now, to say it would have been easy for Leslie Sexton to give up the marathon after her first couple of attempts would have been fair to say if Leslie was a regular run-of-the-mill runner. She had excelled at other distances, created a name for herself locally and on the online running community of Strava, and had a pretty good thing going otherwise. However, Leslie is not a run-of-the-mill runner, and her persistence has led her to running a huge personal best at this year's edition of the Toronto Waterfront Marathon, to the tune of 233.23, and a second-place finish in the Canadian Women's Marathon Championship. Leslie, welcome to the show. Now, when you crossed the line, you had to know that you finished in the 233 mids, smashing your old PB by minutes. What was your first thought that crossed your mind in that time and place? Um, I, I think the first thought was uh, a bit of relief, to be honest, because uh, I was um, in, in my previous marathon, something's always gone wrong before uh, kind of halfway. Um, so I, I think once I got past half and then approaching 20 miles, I was sort of dreading um, like what's going to happen next because I, I had never been at that point where I'd hit uh, like 30, 32K on pace. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So uh, yeah, I was a little worried about like, okay, when am I going to hit the infamous wall? When am I going to start slowing down? And um, yeah, I think over just the, the last 10K sort of holding it together and uh, it wasn't until like 2K to go, I, I started checking the overall time and seeing, yeah, I was on pace for a, a really good time there. I I knew what I was running. I was checking splits all the way, but uh, it it just kind of started to uh, um, I started to realize it uh, with with about two k to go. So 
yeah, a bit of relief. And um, I was really excited too, like uh, just to to finally get a marathon right and run a fast time. Uh, it's it's been sort of a long struggle, and um, yeah, I was just really happy about it. Like uh, I, I know a few people, a few of my friends who were watching the feed said, "Oh, Leslie, like you were you're finishing the race and you didn't have your usual like." pain face grimace on like he actually looked pretty good for once so um yeah that was kind of a nice change i think i was i was hurting for sure but i was just uh really happy with what i'd done so you ended up being eighth overall in the women's race second canadian which is a pretty huge accomplishment for someone who seemed to almost escape most of the press releases and a lot of the pre-marathon hype was that lack of attention something that you were able to use to your advantage Oh, I think it was a bit, yeah, like um, not having to do the, the pre- press conference and stuff like that. Um, it gave me a little more spare time just to kind of relax and, and do my own thing. So I, I, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the hotel room just uh, kind of keeping my mind off the race. I had a good book to read and I was uh, playing some video games. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think it really helped just keep me in a really relaxed state of mind and... Um, I, I think too, uh, like I don't, I certainly don't mind being the underdog. Like I think uh, a goal I have going into most of my races is to sort of improve on uh, my pre-race ranking, um, you know, run a faster time than I'm seated at and, and hopefully, uh, you know, beat some people who are seated ahead of me. So um, it was really a perfect setup to, to do that. And I, I, I kind of thought going in that uh, I had, maybe a, an outside shot at, at top eight if, uh, if if things went well for me and um, and things kind of played out in my favor with, you know, maybe some people uh, blowing up, not racing smart or dropping out or whatever. So um, I think there's, there's not a, you can't control what other people do, but uh, for me, I just wanted to, to have a good race and, and kind of let the results, uh, kind of let the results come. And if I figured I'd if I ran a fast time, the, the placing would take care of itself. I ran into Steve Weiler, the uh, London Runner Distance Club coach, just minutes after your finish, and understandably, he was incredibly happy with the result. Uh, you know, what does your success mean for your club, and do you think that will inspire some of your teammates to maybe take that step into the world of marathoning? Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's a really great uh, step forward for the club. Um, we've, as a club, we, we've qualified people to... Um, Kind of smaller championships like uh, like NACAC cross country, um, World Juniors, that kind of thing. Um, and I think really the next step forward is getting someone on a, a you know a senior World Championship team. Um, and and that was part part of my goal going into that race to uh, to run a time that uh, could could help get me onto a Worlds team um, in the future, like uh, like London 2017, that kind of thing. Um, just to, to bridge that gap a bit. So I was running times like under 235. Um, so yeah, I think that, that'd be a great step if, if I could get onto a, a world championship team, that, that'd be great. And um, it, yeah, it'd be sort of the next logical step for the club. Um, yeah, and I, I, I really do hope it, it inspires uh, teammates. And uh, I, I coach the junior program in London, London Runner. So um, yeah, I, I hope uh, it inspires some of the younger athletes, especially to, uh, to try the longer distances, to, to look outside that, uh, that mid distance bubble. A lot of people get trapped in, um, once they, uh, they, they graduate, uh, high school, university, um, you know, to, to take a shot at the, the 10 K up to the marathon. 
um, and to keep with it over the long term too, because uh, what what I've been doing it's uh, it's been a uh, I'd say a you know a 15 year process since high school. Um, I've improved a little bit every year, and there's been there's been some setbacks, but I I've stuck with it and uh, can kind of went on to uh, achieve some some pretty cool stuff. So um, yeah, I, I hope uh, it helps help some of the athletes realize, you know, you can, you can still have a lot of success in your twenties and, um, and onward from there. You've taken a, a few shots at the marathon now finishing two, uh, before this with a previous PB, uh, in the two thirty nines. what really made the difference this time? Uh, I think this time around, um, well, for one thing, uh, staying healthy was was a big part of it. Um, I've actually trained for I think five marathons now, but only only started three. Um, so that that was the biggest thing, just uh, going in healthy uh, and you know not getting getting sick or having any fluky injuries before. Um, yeah, I, I had a great build this time around. I think I, I learned a lot from the first two marathons. Um, I definitely made some, some mistakes in both of them. And I think even the bad marathons, you, you can, they're, they're still useful in that you, you learn some things. Um, and I, I think for this build, I had a good sense of, uh, for the training, just what I could handle um, and kind of running enough mileage so that I was, I was getting fit from it, but I was still able to hit all of my workouts. Um, this time I was really consistent in my workouts, whereas the past ones, uh, some of them didn't go so well. Um, so yeah, coming in this time, I just, uh, I just came in with, with a lot of confidence. Um, I was probably in the best shape of my life, uh, and, and just executing on race day, like being smart early on, not getting too carried away, uh, and just, just sticking to the plan instead of, uh, you know, going out too fast or that kind of thing. Well, you know, after some not so great marathons, as you just mentioned, what kept you coming back to the distance? You know, why didn't you give up and just stick to a distance like the 10,000? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, that's definitely a question I, uh, had to ask myself, um, last fall after, uh, finished my first marathon in Columbus and I, it was a pretty huge blow up. I ran over 250 and I was wondering if it was worth it. Um, I, I knew I was still going to keep, keep running and be a distance runner. Um, but yeah, I was definitely questioning, well, am I wasting my time at the marathon? Um, and, and for me, what it came down to is, uh, like what, what I want to achieve as a runner, what I want to do in this sport. And, um, my goal for a long time is, has been to, to make a major, major, uh, championship. So, uh, like a, a world track and field championship, that kind of thing. Um, and I just looking at the numbers, my best shot at that is, is in the marathon, um, marathon standards tend to be a little softer compared to, uh, something like the 10 K. And, uh, for me looking at the, the numbers, um, I'm more likely to run a, a time in the, the low two thirties than, um, to break 32 minutes or, or 32 15 for 10 K. Um, I, I've run the 10 K enough that I have a good idea of what sort of what my ceiling is for that event. I, I think I still have room to improve on my, my PB for, for the 10, but, um, yeah, just, uh, the, the kind of runner I am, I, I, I already knew it, you know, despite the failures of actually, uh, in, you know, racing the marathon, uh, that I handled the training really well. And, 
um, if, if I could get it right, I, that would be my best shot at, at, um, at making a world championship. So, um, after, uh, after last fall, I decided to give it, give it another go in Virginia beach and, uh, it wasn't perfect. I had some GI issues, but I was able to, uh, bridge the gap a bit and run that 239. And that, that gave me a little bit of confidence that I, I wasn't completely wasting my time. So, um, yeah, decided to, to give it another go in Toronto and uh, got one right. It feels really good. <laughs> this year, you've uh, now run two marathons and, and a whole bunch of road and track races, uh, all varying distances. Having run them all, do you have a preference now? Um, I, I think now uh, I, I can truly say that I, I do prefer the marathon. Um, I, I know before I, I really liked the training, but for me, the races hadn't gone so well. Um, you, you don't have the same, uh, same tedium of running laps on the track constantly. And, uh, I, I really love the, the long runs, you know, the high mileage, the, the long, the, the long marathon pace intervals. Uh, I, I just think, uh, physically that's, that's sort of my sweet spot and, uh, love doing those kind of workouts. So, um, yeah, now, now, uh, after having finally run a good marathon, I can say, yeah, my favorite is the marathon and, uh, actually believe what I'm saying. <laughs> you use the site Strava, which for those who don't know is a, a mileage logger slash social media site for, uh, really runners and cyclists. And it was pretty clear to see from that, that you aren't really afraid of high mileage at all, logging multiple 200 plus kilometer weeks. Uh, do you think that you found the perfect quantity quality mix or will you be looking to maybe further tweak your mileage for future future marathon builds um i think for the uh the, the past fall marathon build I, I yeah i found a great balance between um sort of the, the mileage and the workouts um and and a lot of that uh for me is just keeping myself to to two workouts a week or, or two hard days i should say because that that would include long runs um yeah, I, I think that that was a great balance there. I was able to to hit all my workouts and be really consistent on on the pace work. Um, but I, I will still be tweaking things for the next one, or, or Steve and I will be. Um, yeah, with uh, with with him, it's it's more of a kind of a back and forth process now when we sit sit down to write a training program. Um, so yeah, I, I I think looking towards uh, kind of the next few builds. Um, I'll maybe up the volume a bit. Uh, we'll see. But I think um, what, one thing I've been looking to add, but uh, didn't want to do it yet, is is some moderate pace runs. So um, I, I think we we called that kind of marathon pace plus uh, like ten to fifteen seconds a k. Um, this year I didn't really try them because I I just wanted to uh, kind of get the basics down, get it, get through a build healthy and, and run a good race. Um, but yeah, I think now that I've done that, I can uh, start to, to tweak things a little bit, maybe um, add a, a little bit more quality in there and uh, keep the mileage um, either just a little bit higher or the same. On that same topic, a lot of pros have really mixed feelings on using sites um, like Strava, often, you know, maybe not uploading workouts or finding a way to, of obscuring the details. Uh, and that way you're a little bit different in that you log all your miles on Strava, including workouts, and sometimes even go further into depth revealing how you felt uh, during each one. You know, why do you choose to be more open on those sorts of things? Uh, for, for me, it's... Uh, I. I think just being a, a part of the sort of the Strava running community has been, um, it, 
it's really cool. Um, I, I think the running community is is a little bit different than the cycling one. It's a little less competitive and, and people are generally more supportive of each other. Um, yeah, so I, I sort of like putting everything on there so that uh, if, if someone uh, is interested in what I'm doing and, and hopefully there's a few people out there, then, uh, you know, then they can, can know all the details and, and see how I train. Um, I think uh, at the start of when I was using Strava, I wouldn't put everything on there. And then I noticed that they had those monthly mileage challenges. And uh, if you do a manual uh, or a manual entry on those, you, you it doesn't count. So uh, that, that's part of why I started. It's, uh, oh, I got to I got to be the, the top mileage person. Um, so I just put everything on there. But yeah, after a while, like just uh, see, seeing that that sort of Strava community and um, everyone's really really so supportive and there's there's been people asking me questions about my training and I, I i love answering questions about that kind of stuff and just being uh sort of open about what i do um yeah i, ha I have heard of athletes being a little bit secretive but uh i don't know I, my marathon builds are and workouts are really straightforward and uh to be honest i for some people, if they have a, you know, a workout they want to keep secret or that kind of thing, um, they're probably overthinking it and maybe overcomplicating things a little bit. Um, I don't think I'm doing anything really, really groundbreaking. It's, uh, you know, a, a lot of mileage and uh, there's a, a decent chunk of it at marathon pace. So uh, pretty, pretty basic stuff. And yeah, if I can share that with other people, I think that's great. So it seems to be a, a perennial topic, but uh, it, almost more so this year, uh, gender equality in cross country, it's, it's a huge topic right now. As a female long distance runner, where do you stand on the issue? Uh, I would say I'm, I'm very strongly pro-gender parity. Um, and, and for me, like a, as a female long distance runner and uh, also someone who coaches junior athletes, this does sort of hit close to home. Um, back in, I think back at the start of cross country season, when, when this issue was being brought up online, uh, Steve and I did some sort of informal surveys of, uh, kids in our club. And we found that, uh, if you ask, um, well, girls or boys, uh, under the age of 13, um, which I should note in, uh, in elementary school, uh, for our region anyway, girls and boys run the same distance or, or race the same distance for cross country. So yeah, if you ask a 13-year-old or younger, um, should should boys and girls of the same age run the same distance? And and they say yeah, and they barely hesitate on it. Um, whereas you start to survey uh, maybe later high school, university girls, and they either like take longer to answer, or or eventually they get to saying, well, no, I don't think we should run run the same distance. Um, and and I think, um, you know, it's. It's not something that uh, like these these girls are learning that kind of thing because um, yeah if you you go through all of high school you're running less than boys then why wouldn't you think that uh, you're you're less capable of of running uh, shorter distances for cross country um, yeah so so I think uh, we we definitely need to um, make those distances even so that uh, girls can can start having more confidence in themselves and I, yeah I've, I've honestly uh, yet to see any proof that uh, girls are, are physically less capable of running shorter distances for cross, but or, um, for cross, but uh, that doesn't apply to track and field and the roads. Um, so it's, uh, 
it, it's kind of a yeah, just a, it, it seems a bit ridiculous to me that uh, they're that they're running different distances, and um, I, I want the girls I coach to have confidence in themselves and um, think they can run long distances, uh, so that maybe the ones that are interested in running, um, you know, uh, 10k all the way up to the marathon are are getting that proper development and uh, are are prepared for it, and they don't start thinking, uh, well, I can't do it because. Um, we, because that's just how it is. We run shorter distances, and um, and people don't think I can. Well, <laughs> with uh, cross country nationals happening next month, and uh, quite a few good ra- road races happening this winter, uh, you know what's up ne- for you now that uh, Scotia's out of the way? Uh yeah, definitely. You were. I'm I'm moving into cross country, so I'm I'm still just kind of in in easy running road road right now. But uh, yeah, I plan on doing uh, athletics Ontario championships and. And definitely Kingston um, Nationals out there. Uh, like I, I went to Queens uh, for my undergrad, and um, I pro- probably can't count the number of loops I've I've run on that Fort Henry course. So uh, yeah, I'm going back to the old stomping grounds, and uh, should should be a fun one. Like with uh, with Linda Runner, we should have a senior women's team, and so yeah, it'll be uh, kind of a nice throwback to university. It'll be great to be out racing in Fort Henry and be be running with the team. Uh, with the club this time so yeah I'm really excited about it taking a look at the bigger plan do you have a time that you would ultimately like to run for uh, the 42.2 um so yeah after after Toronto um I've yeah probably had to revise my goals a little bit uh, to make things faster um in in Toronto I was uh just trying to run under 235 and was quite a bit under that so um yeah, the, the next uh, kind of nice round number and, and big goal would, would be a sub 230. Um, I, it's, I expect it's going to be probably a multi-year process. Um, I, 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 I'm thinking I, I'll probably do a, a, a marathon next spring, but uh, I, for me, I, I don't want to um, go after a time I'm not ready to run yet or I'm not in shape to run. Um, I think uh, the uh, the race I had in Toronto, it, it went really well because I, I knew what kind of shape I was in. I just zeroed in on the right effort and, and ran that time. So, um, yeah, I want to keep doing the same thing. Just, uh, you know, maybe chip away a, a, a minute or so at a time. And, um, yeah, in the long term, try and get under 230 for sure. Leslie Sexton, she uh, she ran 233 uh, in roughly, roughly in the mids section, eighth overall in the women's race, second Canadian. Uh, congratulations on such a great race, and thanks a lot for being on the show this week, Leslie. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to my guests, Leslie Sexton and John Mason, for being on the show this week. Also, big thanks to Alan Brooks and his whole crew for putting on such a great marathon. Thanks, as always, to Tracky for their ongoing support, and to you for listening. If you want to find us, we're on Twitter, at The Terminal Mile. We're also on Stitcher, iTunes, and at tracky.ca. Thanks again for listening. This is The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Yeah.